When I was, uh, I, 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 a question that oftentimes uh, gets asked to kids, uh, and I remember, I remember like when I was at elementary school, uh, priests would come and, and celebrate Mass at St. Mary's, and it would be a visiting priest, and they would ask questions to like us as the kids, and they would say something like, oh, uh, what are you asking for, for Christmas, right? And like uh, a bunch of people would raise their hand, they would call on a few of people. It was basically a cheap way for a priest to be able to kind of buy time in a homily, right? Engage the kids and then just like move on and say a couple of nice things and then sit down. Because it was like, oh, Father engages the kids. But one of the questions that I remember, it felt like every priest would do at some point was, what do you want to be when you grow up, Right? So I remember this, that was a, it's a popular question we ask kids all the time, right? And as I reflect back on my own life and answering that question of what do I want to be when I grow up, I, I could honestly say uh, at different points in my life, you would have had a ton of different answers. I got a feeling all of us, right? At some point, we wanted to be all kind of different things. Um, I know for me, the last thing on my mind when I was a kid was, you're going to be a priest. I promise you. And if you, if you didn't think that about me, and you would have asked like my mother, she would have said, absolutely not. Not, 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 not going to happen. No chance. So like, I, I remember, like, as a, if you would have asked me in kindergarten what I would want to be when I grew up, I knew that I was going to be the starting right fielder for the Houston Astros. No question. That was going to happen, right? I'd have two rings right now. One might have to, some trash cans, but I don't care. Right? Like, I would have been all fired up and excited because I knew I was going to be the starting right fielder for the Houston Astros. If you'd asked me a few years later, um, I would have been a meteorologist and I was going to be on the Weather Channel, right? And I was going to be right about 20% of the time and people were still going to pay me money. That was going to be great, right? Um, a couple of years after that, I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, a couple of years after that, I was going to be a teacher. Really no, because that meant I would have had to put up with kids like me, right? <laughs> A couple of years after that, I was going to be an engineer, and we know how my GPA was. We've covered that in the past weeks. Like, eh, we don't want to talk about that. It wasn't until I was in, I was in my late, my, my mid twenties, that I knew that I wanted to be a priest. I, the interesting thing, though, is if I'm really honest about myself, out of all of that time, if I would have answered that question. The one thing that I would have probably said, whether it be wanting to be a baseball player, wanting to be a teacher, wanting to be an engineer, whatever it was, like in all of that time, I think for me, the biggest desire of my heart all my life was I wanted to be a dad. Uh, I, I have both of my grandfathers, uh, they've passed away now, but my, my relationship with both of my grandfathers was great. I got to watch two really, really awesome, good men raise their families, raise their grandkids, and just be really, really positive, awesome influences, hard workers, like good examples of faithfulness and strength, and just, just const like they were constant. They were just good men. My relationship with my dad, I, I joke around, if I would have gotten married, my dad would have been my best man. He was probably my best friend all throughout my life. Me and him just have been tight. Uh, I made fun of him yesterday when he was at 5 o'clock mass, right? But like I... I had positive influences of men in my life, like of those father figures, and I know like in my heart of hearts, the biggest thing that I wanted to be was a dad. Like it was interesting, like looking back, I think of like marriage for me would have been a means to an end. Like, and I, that sounds really weird, like, but it, it was, I wanted to have kids more than I wanted a wife. Like it, it was that, that's just, it was that sincere, Right. 
I wanted to be able to like be the, the little league coach with the shorts that were too short, the mustache and the bad gla- like the bad sunglasses, right? Like that's what I wanted to be able to do. Like it was going to be awesome and great and it was going to be awesome. And, and as I was in touch with that desire of my heart growing up, like as I was in touch with that desire of my heart in my early life, then this, this call to priesthood, like in my own prayer, my own maturity, my own, my own faith journey, started to become more and more apparent. And quite honestly, that was like the fir- one of the first things that I remember going to God with when I entered seminary was, well, well, then how do I get to be a dad? We'll come back to that. But, I, I, like, there was a tension there. Because am I going to be doomed to have this desire never be fulfilled? Because, because sorry God, but that, that ain't going to fly. <laughs> now, now I have, a, I have a, the reason why I bring that up today is because I think that's similar to the space that Joseph is in, in our gospel. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that, that John the Baptist, Mary, and Joseph, those are the three main figures for us of Advent. John the Baptist, right, the prepare the way, the, he's the one that's foretelling the coming of Christ, he's the, he's the last of the great prophets, right, he's the one, he's the voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, right, like we, we heard all this, this, this Advent season. Mary, right? She's the model of what it means to receive, and there's so much beauty around what that looks like. And if you're going to confession with me in the last month, right, that's what we've talked about. Mary's a model of what it means to receive. Like that, that she, she shows us what we're supposed to do as Christians. She's the, she, she is the embodiment of what Advent is. With Joseph, though, I think, shows us a, a different side of that coin. How when we receive God, when we receive His call, when we receive our mission from Him, sometimes it, for lack of a better word, screws up what we want. It can almost make a mess of things. Like, like Joseph today, I have a feeling, Joseph, we have to, like, let's think about who Joseph is and what's going on in the Gospel today. Joseph, he, he's a young man. He's been formed. He, 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 he knows what he wants. He's got his life kind of put together. He's got a trade. Right? So he understands patience and discipline, especially when it comes to carpentry. And he's been betrothed to this perfect woman. Like there's an engagement set up between him and this absolutely perfect woman. Literally, right? No sin. Like perfect woman that lives in his community. Joseph has everything put together. He knows exactly what his life is supposed to look like. I have to believe that he has like these expectations and these ideas of where he's going and what he's doing. And he, like everything is just kind of falling into place. Not to say it's all perfect. Not to say there's never anything wrong, right? I'm sure carpentry, like he probably busts his thumb and says a nice, nice, nice word or gets some, gets some splinters and things like that. But like for the most part, the big stuff is just like, man, it's falling into place and it's working. And one day he's in his shop and Mary walks up and he knows that their, their engagement is set, but they haven't lived together yet. They haven't been together yet. 
And what does she say? By the way, I'm pregnant. And then she doubles down. And it's from the Holy Spirit. It's God's child. I have to believe that Joseph's expectation, Joseph's idea, Joseph, like his, his dream of what he's expecting from his life, shatters. But wait, God, God I'm, I'm faithful. Like, I'm righteous. I'm trying to do all the right things. And you give me this? Better yet, you're taking this away from me? Shattered. All his expectations. You see, when 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 one of the there's a um, there was a there was a a Protestant writer, uh, his name was John Elridge. He he wrote a book about masculine spirituality. Uh, the name of it was Wild at Heart. And and it's really it's a good book. Um, I, I would suggest it to anybody that's looking for something good to read, men especially. Like if you're looking for something good to read, just to kind of to stir up your faith, Wild at Heart, beautiful book. One of the things he said in it, it, like, for example, one of the things he said in it, he says, if you go to a Christian church, most of the time women outnumber men two to one in most Christian churches. Um, if you look at the women in the congregation, most of them are tired. And if you look at the men in the congregation, most of them are bored. That there's something, in, particularly in the masculine heart, that needs to be awakened with our faith. And he says there's three things that, that speak to the masculine heart. Because there are three things that every masculine heart, like, that, that, that we thirst for. An adventure, a battle, and a beauty. And, and I'm convinced that Joseph, when, when his world gets shattered, his idea, his expectation, all of a sudden kind of gets messed up because of this news that today in this dream that he has where, the, where this, this angel comes to him, that those three things are stoked in his heart. An adventure, a battle, and a beauty. Because now all of a sudden he finds out that, you know what, Mary's not lying. Mary's true, like, that God actually did come, and God the Messiah is coming, and Mary is pregnant with him. And it's my job to be the father of that house. As intimidating and as scary as that might be, there's an adventure that's attached to that. There's an excitement that gets him, that gets him going. That gets him moving. That, that, that concept of adventure, this is why little boys, we all, like little boys going to play out in the woods, it's fun, right? Because there's a mystery. We're going to do something wrong. We're going to hurt something. We're going to, we're going to break something. Like, it's going to be great, though. Like, right, we can go ahead and do these things. Like, there's an adventure that speaks to a little boy. There's a battle. Because while, while Joseph knows that he's, he has this adventure of being able to be this close to the Son of God, this close to Mary, the Chosen One, the one who Isaiah talks about in today's first reading, right? he knows that there's an adventure there. He also knows that he has a role, and there's a battle to fight as a protector. This is why every man movie, right? this is why every bad like 
Every single bad movie of all time, not on Hallmark, right? Like all of these bad movies, right, back to Hallmark movies, right? But, but this, this is why every bad action movie with like a single name title, this is why they all look the same way. There's a bunch of little bad guys that get to the one big bad guy and guys just eat that up, right? Bombs going off, military stuff happening, right? It's always because there's a battle. There's a battle between good and evil and we want to see, we, we want to see good overcome evil. We want to be a part of that battle. That's why, that's why men spend so much time paying attention to sports. Because my team is the good team and Alabama's the bad team, right? And we're going to cheer <laughs> for them to always lose. Amen. Thank you. Right? Like, but there's a battle that's taking place and we want to be invested in a part of that battle. The, other, the last part that speaks to the masculine heart is the beauty. It, does, it doesn't matter if, if we're talking about, um, it, it does not matter if we're talking about the Blessed Mother herself or Princess Peach and Mario, right? Like, there's always a beauty. Because <laughs> it speaks to the masculine heart. Joseph's beauty is the Blessed Mother. So, so when God today in this dream, in this miraculous annunciation to Joseph, right, tells him of, of what's going to happen, when he, when he commands him and says, this is the adventure I'm sending you on, this is the battle I want you to fight, and this is the beauty I want you to protect, it speaks to Joseph and it moves him forward. And now all of a sudden what was shattered is replaced. His expectation of just existing of just being a good man, of just kind of, of just kind of, you know what, I'm going to build stuff and I'm going to take care of my family and that's all it is. I don't, I'm going to be nothing but ordinary. It gets replaced with something that's absolutely extraordinary. But now Joseph is, is given the task of being the protector of the holy family. He's given the task of being the example that Jesus is going to first see as a man. Like, like, who do you think Jesus learned how to treat the outcast from? Got that from Joseph. He learned that from his dad. Like, who do you think Jesus learned how to treat, like, the, 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 the extraordinary amount of mercy and love and, like, the pure, chaste way that Jesus loved women? Jesus loved children. Where do you think he got that? That was from Joseph. He saw his dad, his earthly father, do it. So he did it as well. Now the reason why I bring that up is because when Joseph's life, what seems to be, when God enters into Joseph's life, what seems to just shatter his expectation, what seems to just kind of break all of what he thought he was going to do, it's replaced and, and he's called to something higher and something that's actually more fulfilling. And I know from experience that that's not only a Joseph thing. You see, it was when, when uh, I was on retreat a year or so before I was ordained. And I remember there was this clear moment where the priest that told us that was like running this retreat. He said, what I want you all to do is I want you all to pray about who was the person that taught you the most about being a priest. 
Like, who was the person that, that inspired you to be a priest? And I remember I went through all these different priests. I shared this story with a few people. But, like, I went through all these different priests that had been, like, good good friends and, and good mentors throughout my life and good examples and all these things, and, and none of them fit. And I remember at one point, very clearly, I just stepped, sat back and I was like, all right, God, I went through every priest's name in my mind. Who? Who was it that taught me how to be a priest? Who was it that inspired me how to be a priest? The first person that popped into my mind was my grandfather. And I remember it was the clearest, like most, most lucid prayer that I probably ever had in my life. God was just very, very clearly putting on my heart. He said, if you love your people the way he loved your family, you'll always be a dad. That's why whenever, like, with 10.30 Mass, when, with all the little kids running around like that, I'm like, that's my Super Bowl. I love that, right? <laughs> but it's beautiful. The reason why I say that, it's not, not like, hey, look at Father JD, listen to this cool story. No, no, no. It, the reason why I say that is because when God enters into our life, He not only has put the desire in our heart, but He also knows how to fulfill it. Like, He didn't only put the desire in Joseph's heart of an adventure, a battle, and a beauty, right? Like, he not only put that in his heart, but he knew the most perfect way that Joseph could fulfill. And all Joseph had to do was be willing to listen. All Joseph had to do was be willing to receive whatever it is, whatever the call was that God was going to put on his heart. And to do it. Notice the end of today's Gospel. Joseph wakes up and gets to action. He gets to work. He immediately moves and follows what it is that the Lord was calling him to do. You see, in the same way, in a week's time, Jesus is going to enter into our life yet again at Christmas. In a week's time, Jesus is going to enter in in a new and profound way into our life at Christmas. Are you ready to accept what it is that God wants from you? Or am I just going to exist as ordinary? Are, are, are we ready to have our expectations shooken and shattered even? Or the way it's been gone is good enough? Today, as we come to this Mass, this is what the Lord is inviting each one of us to do. is to allow God to shake us to our core. That our expectations wouldn't be enough. That our own thoughts of how He might want to fulfill us won't be enough. But instead, that everything in us, everything in us, would be directed to this baby that comes into our life and changes everything. One week. In one week's time, the Lord's coming. Are we ready to have our hearts, or our expectations, shattered so that He can fulfill our desires the way He wants to?